Hello again, my friends, and welcome to Jorgensen Soundbox. This show is the second episode of Track Zach, where we get quarterly updates from my buddy Zach Marshall on the company he's starting, which is a marketplace for private security called Conterra. Last episode on Track Zach. Zach was three months into founding his new company. He had raised $300,000, hired one engineer, and was really eager to onboard customers to his MVP. We talked about his background pretty in-depth, his experience using this market as a private security contractor, the opportunity that existed in this huge, fragmented, heavily middlemanned $50 billion market, and his vision for solving that with a marketplace, with his Conterra that he's founding. Today, we hear everything that he's learned over the past few months, how he's evolved his work habits to kind of get into the long run of company building and all the things that he's changed his mind on. This is exactly what I was hoping to get from this series. We get an honest accounting of hard decisions made and new information and changes in direction. And um, it's really interesting to see these lessons get learned in real time. If you enjoy this episode, check out my website, ejorgensen.com. I've got a newsletter, a ton of essays, a course on leverage. We do all kinds of fun stuff there. And if you enjoy this, everything there will be right up your alley. But right now, please enjoy this conversation arriving at your ears in three, two, one. Welcome to Track Zach number two. Three, three months into uh, quite a long journey. How are you feeling? Feeling great. I'm glad to be back on. That's good. Good, good, good. Um, what's what is like the the one sentence like overview of the last three months from like an emotional like how you're feeling perspective? That's probably a trope, but roller coaster is definitely the right term. Ups and downs okay. are we're constant. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's a loop, be, loop of ups and downs. <laughs> good. Yeah. Loops, ups, downs, yeah. twists, turns. Mm-hmm. Um Cool. Okay. Well, this will be a good uh, a good episode then, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of good stories to, like take us through. Um, I just went back and like reviewed our old thing to kind of hopefully pick up where we left off and uh, recontextualize that. I'll like we'll have done that already in the intro, but um, last time we talked was like right around end of September. Um, yeah, it had to be September twenty uh, fourth. I know that day. Yeah, go oh, yeah. yeah. Your fourth kid was born that yeah, that's later her that birthday. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> September twenty fourth. Uh, so so you'll never go. forget the inaugural <laughs> the inaugural Track Zach podcast. That's right. So Zach, the place you wanted to be today, as of your three months ago self, was at least ten customers who want to pay us and use Conterra, at least three hundred people signed up on the supply side, and a new website up by October first was like your estimate, but a new website up. So if we just start with like, what's the snapshot today based on your past self, and then we'll kind of expand the story from there. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with the, the website, just because I think that was probably one of the biggest surprises or learning points for me, because, uh, let's see, it was like six or seven days from, from the podcast is when I expected to launch it. Right. Mm -hmm. And we launched it like three days ago. So it took another, (laughs) it took another three months, uh, to, to launch that, that product or that the beginning of our first like version one of a platform. And, um, you know, there's so many things I learned about it. One was about like leading, uh, like leading a technology project, 
Um, you know, even though like, uh, Alex, who's, who's like our lead engineer and, you know, he's done project management and he's, he's built things and he's done a lot of consulting and so on. Um, still like communicating around, um, like OKRs and is, is really difficult if you've never done it before in, in a setting where like, no, the whole vision's in your head, Zach, like, how do you get it out, uh, Mm -hmm. in front of customers? And then also. Um, just the growing pains of of building something from nothing means that if we did miss one of the stories in a sprint or whatever, like maybe that was really important to me, not important to him. It was important to him, not important to me, whatever. And so I realized as it was going that we weren't quite communicating around like what had to get done, how fast and when. And so we ended up yeah. like kind of scrapping our um, technology roadmap and like re redoing that from scratch. We took two days and, and like, actually we didn't throw away the work he'd done, but what we did was we threw away the task cards in Jira and said, okay, we're going <laughs> to yeah. build this out yeah. exactly what has to happen. Um, and then it came out to like four or five weeks more of work just to get it so that we could start doing Q and a and start testing mm-hmm. and so on. And then of course, um, in the process, we did some uh, customer interviews and like a uh, focus group and so on and learned a lot there. So then we pivoted, made some changes and so on. And uh, I think what we have now um, communicates a lot better of what I wanted. Um, ironically, I'll jump into the next piece, which is maybe it was also the wrong thing to build. So, you know, we, we, we got it out there. It took an extra three months and maybe it was wrong. So, so much uh, learning there. And I, I just to jump right into the next next one. So the three things were were customers, uh, signups, and uh, the website. So the website took a while. Um, it's really if you were to dumb down what it is today, it's an intake uh, platform for um, special operators and and like higher tier executive protection guards that allows them to upload things like their resume and so on into our database, but also go back and change information and answer a bunch of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, The idea is that we don't actually want to read your resume. We want you to come in and give us the information we need. Like if, if you're going to do a maritime security contract, we'd rather know you have a Twit card when it expires rather than trying to find that line somewhere in your random resume. Yeah. You're making like, they're making the data structured and legible to you and like giving you the ability to scale this thing infinitely and not have like somebody parsing out a resume into specific line items super super smart exactly and and you know all of this is built around uh the thesis i had three months ago which was we want to collect the supply side first because Mm -hmm. i have a supply side advantage with my background and my connection to the industry um and you can't sell what you don't have supply (laughs) right you can't um (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to be like, yeah, I'll get you the guy by in two hours and you don't have the guy because um, yeah. that's ultimately the value prop, right? Is that we can get you security on demand um, like it, like in all these different places, in all these different ways. And uh, so that was that or that's what that that's what that is. Um, the next piece is the. I guess what that's not compared to what um, we talked about last time is we are still pushing into executive protection at large, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't want to change too much of what we we're trying to build because it was taking so much longer than I had expected um, to yeah. get there. So what we still what we launched this week isn't really the best intake for like 95% of the executive protection guards that we, we want to intake. It's only right. for like that 5% of like the top tier because the questions are based on that the backgrounds mm-hmm. like combat deployments are not going to be important to, you know, the majority of executive protection. Um, right. So we have a lot of 
pivoting we have to do if we were going to continue to move down the supply side first online platform. Um, the the next piece is signups, and so we were on track for getting three hundred. I mean, maybe okay, I take that back. Uh, three hundred was a lot uh, to push into a, to ninety yeah. days, but we were really moving, and we we're getting a, a ton of word of mouth and, and recommendations from people. People were signing up. I was doing a bunch of calls, um, but what we were really collecting was no's. Um, which mm. in, in the whole sales side, it's like, uh, no's are like the second best thing from a yes. Uh, but they're still yeah. a good thing because you can then listen to the customer and see what they want. And what I learned from those no's, um, has really changed how I think we're going to go to market now and like what we're doing and <laughs> what we've been doing in December and what we're going to be pushing into in January and February, which is they don't trust us. The supply side doesn't has zero trust for honestly, the, the private security industry at large has zero trust in anybody else in the industry. Hmm. Um, every company, the, indivi the individual people going in, they're just like distrustful of the whole industry. Yeah. So not the clients, um, not like the end right. user of security, but the yeah. providers security don't trust the other providers, yeah. the security professionals don't trust each other. They don't trust hmm. the, like, even though it's a word of mouth based industry, which yeah. is funny and it's reputation based. Everybody thinks everybody else is taking advantage of them. It's like, oh, you're recommending me that job because you're going to get a kickback. Oh, you're mm. that company is getting that contract because I, oh, I bet that sales guy is getting a kickback. You know, and and there, and honestly, there's a ton of kickbacks. There's a ton of referrals on yeah. referrals on referral fees and so on. And like, on, honestly, we want to help streamline the referral fees in, in a way as well. Like, you you should get attribution for for connecting a, a, a deal that wouldn't happen without you. Um, but I had, I mean, we had some quotes from guys. These are people like I, even people that I knew that had signed up were like, cool, yeah. Zach, but how do I know you're not just taking my information and bid on a contract? And you're never going to call me back. I was like, uh, cause it says right in our disclaimer, we don't do contracts. He goes, yeah, sure. But like, uh, this has happened to me many times where people just take my name and then they go bid on a contract. And, um, what I, what they all thought they were signing up for was a job board, like just, mm. just a basic job board. Um, and it was taking a ton of education around this whole thing. It was almost like I had to pitch each one, like an investor, like, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're building. This is what it's going to be. This and is the vision. Yeah. This is the vision. And, and, you know, I got a ton of people who were excited about the vision. In fact, a lot of those people want to work for me or at the company, but <laughs> they're not ready to be like the guinea pig for some experiment. Right. And, yeah. um, so I found that a lot of the data wasn't getting filled out um, very well or getting cut pretty short. I'd make calls and and it, it just, we weren't collecting yeses. We were collecting a bunch of people that were kind of just checking it out. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the things like the moment, like the epiphany or the idea here is um, how can we collect the demand? If, if that's like the big mistrust is, is you don't have a bunch of jobs here already. You don't like, this is chicken and egg, every marketplace, right? But like, mm -hmm. how do, so if the supply side's actually been pretty easy because word of mouth flies when they're in, like out of those 30 or 40 no's, I had like two yeses, which, which we placed in like two seconds. And that was mm -hmm. because we had demand ready and that demand couldn't find those people and we found them really quickly. Ironically, it was, it, these were people who um, I never would have thought I would have been able to place easily. And so earlier you said, um, you said, um, well, you can't sell something you don't have like you, you like, right. Well, this one customer needed, uh, it was like, they needed a, a certain skill set that I'd never heard of. Um, mm -hmm. 
female, but had worked with specific special forces units that aren't female, spoke fluent Spanish and, and like, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, I don't know if that person exists, let alone I can find them <laughs> in like the next yeah. two days or whatever. And within a week, we had two people to fit the profile um, connected wow. across. And the reason being is that once the demand was there, the word of mouth was like 10x. It was like oh. everybody was calling their friends and, and yeah. it was going down the chain of like, hey, do you know somebody? Do you know somebody? Hey, I know this girl. She was awesome, blah, 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 blah. And they all want to help each other in that way and and get this gig to this person. And, and it worked. Um, and the demand there, that which is the vendor, this, this security provider, um, got a great solution as well, right? They got two great candidates for one role. They got it quickly. And so I looked at that and went... Um, well, if the supply side is, is actually kind of easy when we do have demand, but the supply side doesn't trust me and I have like the most bona fides you could have, like they'll still have a conversation with me, they'll go, but they still don't believe that it's real. I mean, mm -hmm. one, one guy, a ranger took it to his whole ranger battalion and he had somebody email him back and go, this is fake. He goes, this isn't real. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> like uh, huh? Like, I, I didn't get it. Um, and, and the reality is a lot of people take advantage of veterans. They take advantage mm -hmm. of people in these positions that don't see it. And you're not talking about like, it's easy to, to get people in San Francisco to try like a subscription scooter because yeah. everybody tries everything in San Francisco different yep. when somebody like, hasn't been allowed to use, um, like, like Google meets for anything in the last 10 years, they've been, they've had to do everything on pen and paper and like use yeah. some encrypted VTC or something. And so like. The customer was different um, in ways that I didn't expect. And so I was looking at, well, how do I collect demand? And this is when like the third prong of the marketplace kind of entered the scene, which is the end users, right? The end client who needs yep. security um, or some security service. And we thought, well, one way to collect uh, vendors is to partner with them and be recruiter for them, right? To mm -hmm. say, hey, we want to be your outsource recruiting. You tell us the jobs you need and we'll go find them and make that easier for you and like kind of sell it as just as an agency for a little while to start like building that another side which every one of these vendors asked for is more clients and it's like well i've been having to turn down like zach marshall has been having to turn down a bunch of security work because people think i'm building a security company i'm like well no i'm creating this marketplace that does blah 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 blah, blah. and um one of the things that i realized is well hold on if i if i start a brokerage here that's literally just curating a list of great service providers and then connecting them to clients i'm locking a relationship with those service providers to me like now you know that company knows me trusts me i've brought them deals and and then if i can also recruit for them and they say hey thanks for that by the way i need this job filled i then i then can go fill it because so far we're just not at a scale where i can't fill it yeah and so that's kind of where we are today rather than focused on just getting people to sign up and give me their information what i found is that the the network that i have and the people um like in the industry and the word of mouth is strong enough that i could probably place i mean we would have to have a lot of fast moving customers before we would run out of the ability to fill jobs um this year call it for the next like 12 months at some point that runs out right like you've run out of friends and you <laughs> you know you yeah. you're outside the industry and so on but like right now so what we're doing is trying to trying to collect demand um and this has brought up a new uh service that we're 
looking at launching in the spring and we've got some test websites out and so on, which is um, an outsourced um, travel security management service where you pay a retainer or subscription to say like, look, anytime you travel, we're your manager. We manage your security. We go get the security that you need wherever you're going to be. We don't provide it. We charge a very yeah. small fee, but you can trust that you're getting the security they say they are and you're getting the solution that you want and you're paying a fair price because we've helped negotiate that price. Mm -hmm. um, and so that that service also came recommended, uh, the, the moment where that kind of came into my head was talking to, um, talking to corporate security managers at some really, really top tier tech companies who said like, look, you know, what we want to do is be able to swipe a credit card instead of it spending 90 days working a contract. And so yep. if you can facilitate that and can like solve some of our tactic, like tactical problems, like, Hey, that driver has to be there because that company can't provide whatever, um, like we would love that. And so that's kind of how we've pivoted. So, so like the, I guess, I guess, so where were we with the three things? The first was tech took longer than expected. Um, second was we, we, um, kind of cut off the signups more or less. I stopped pushing. Um, at around yeah. 35 signups and started looking at the demand side um, and then customers. I said 10 customers. Um, we don't have 10 paid paying customers, but we have uh, well into that of people who are working with us and we're, we're starting to negotiate those things. So like I just yesterday was on the, on the phone with one, which, you know, they're trying to fill um, seven full-time positions across two different locations and 12 flexible positions. And so like, that's a great, like, like, man, if I, if I can place those 15 people in January, like we've really yeah. done, like, it's a really big, uh, a really big one. And then the same thing, we've got a company up in Seattle that, um, is looking at moving to four or five more cities over the next two years in each city, they only hire veterans. And so it's a security firm only hires veterans. It's like, okay, well, if we can be ahead of them and be their main recruiting agency, um, you know, over that time horizon, we can also start to force our candidates to go through our intake on the platform, right? We can force them to do the user generated, you know, data structuring. So we don't have to read resumes and, you know, we can start playing with that and learning. Um, and ultimately this allows us to just be like an, like a, like a little private network while mm -hmm. we learn, um, which parts can we swap out and put on the internet, uh, and build the tech. So yeah, that's where we are today. That's really interesting. So, so each placement that you do, essentially, you're still kind of like rolling this snowball of data and relationships and trust it is just you're finding that you have to basically execute a full transaction mostly to build that to get people over the hurdle of joining on the supply side and giving you all their data and trusting contera and building a full profile and um opting yeah, all maybe, the way in yeah maybe another side to that would be like opting in and not being disappointed Right, like mm -hmm. opting in, and when they get there, being like, "Oh, this is something I actually wanted," as opposed to opting in, getting there, and being like, "Oh, great, I'm not going to tell anybody about this." Uh, yeah, there's know, nothing here for me to do. Like, I did a bunch of work, and right, right, and yeah. and um, you know, we've thought of a lot of other ways too. Like, nah, do we partner with like Promotive or something? So, like, you get a deal sent to you, and like, like there's a lot of ways we can like like buy traffic or like like if you know that idea yeah. of like like sure, we bought a bunch of users by giving them a bunch of things that aren't our actual value prop. Um, yeah. but, um, if the value prop is we can help you get set on a gig right away, like that, that's much better. Um, and we can still collect people that way. 
ironically, it's funny. I just thought about it. Uh, that one customer that wants those 12 flex positions, like if this platform was further along, they wouldn't need those 12 flex positions. They would just be mm. able to log on when they need the 12 mm. people and, and use them, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe they favorite them or however we, we structure it. Um, so like it, it's, it's a really cool time to be in this industry because I'm constantly validated about the problems and things we're trying to solve. And like, I'm more mm -hmm. bullish than ever, but it's also been a learning period of going, well, what do we do first? Um, and, and like, where can we see transactions where everybody really wins? Yeah. Like right from the beginning like how can we be the best at something right now that like they want us to call them as opposed to yeah. it feeling like oh well, i guess i'll finish signing up because somebody told me to and this is like mediocre and i don't get a great outcome yeah and it's interesting i mean i'm glad you push back on like you can't sell what you don't have because this industry seems to run on that like there's people bidding on contracts all the time without a specific plan for fulfillment necessarily and like if they win it then they go hire the people that they need to in order to fulfill the contract so demand sounds like comes before supply all the time yeah and and you know the other side of that is somebody say well what's what makes you any different then like how are you mm -hmm. how are you different and i think it's just our focus on um, being the connector instead of being the provider um like and that's what we think we can scale and once we do scale that and like, again, if we're looking at like rig up or, or now work rise, like what they've done is scale the connective tissue and own the, the customer service. Mm. And so because they own both, they connect everybody and they're the customer service layer. They can just keep adding features. They're like, okay, now we do payroll. Now we do insurance. Now we do this. Now we do that. Yeah. And the whole industry runs through their platform. Um, mm. Mind you, if you look at their platform for a while there, it looked like a marketplace and now it doesn't. You know, you get on their website and it looks like a massive staffing agency that's hmm. tech first um by the way still extremely valuable still pushing yeah. awesome margins um because it's a tech first company what's what's the difference between i mean uh, like where is the scene between you know rig up as a staffing agency a scaled like big staffing agency that's very tech enabled versus the marketplace is it is it just like you know, we pay W2 versus 1099. Is it? I'd say it's what the user can actually do. Like a user can't get on rig up and like scroll through profiles and pick somebody. Okay. Um, and they can only say like, I want rig up, fill this job and rig up does it basically on their own judgment as to who matching. Yeah. And I do think there's still like a customer choice at some point, but there's just mm -hmm. a, a, a the humans in the loop a lot more than like, like, a like an open marketplace, like Upwork or something. And, yeah. you know, like going through their job, uh, like I went through all of RigUp's trying to like learn their business a little bit. I went through all their, their open job opportunities and like mm -hmm. they have all these people called processors. And what those processors are is recruiters that do matching. They read oh. a requirement from a user. They try to, they, I don't know, I'm imagining that their, their platform spits out a bunch of people that fit the filters. And then, mm -hmm. then they're the human in the loop that does some matching. I'm, I'm assuming in the best transaction, they would then say, hey, client, here's your review, like review these people. Is this what you want? And yeah. then they also own the relationship so that when guy doesn't show up or or doesn't do the job well or whatever, they go and replace that and they take the responsibility for the outcome, right? Um, so it's that's still different than a staffing agency like Securitas, which is, mm -hmm. or I'll use Allied Universal because they're the largest now. 
they just bought G4S. So they've got 800,000 employees across the world. Um, what, what, what they're doing is, is a massive amount of, um, promising some kind of outcome and then just like sending a bunch of people, whether they're qualified or not. Right. And, um, and like the customer service layer isn't incentivized within the company at all. Like, and I know some people that work for some of these companies that are incredibly, um, good at their job. Most have left to go start their own company or go for, work for somebody else. Cause they're not incentivized to do a good job and actually support the customer. Yeah. How, how different is the pitch to like, when you're talking to these customers, you know, you're, you're telling customer goal, you've got to push people that you're working with, you know, if that's really the like steam engine of the whole train that's to come and you're getting excitement from them, what is it about Kintera that is, that feels different to them versus working with, you know, whoever has been fulfilling their needs so far? Yeah. So the, the recruiting side is probably where we've gotten the most traction and mind you, that's where we started, right? This labor marketplace yeah. piece of this. Um, and I think what they, um, what they really, what's really different is nobody else has come and said, like, we're not just going to send you a bunch of resumes, mm. right? Like the number it, it one, is the vision that you're like, we want to solve this in the long run. And every incremental job that you give us helps us build towards that increased level of service. And, and we're taking on a level of vetting before we send mm. somebody to you. So like the, um, uh, like one customer I talked to, like they're, they're still using indeed. Right. And like nothing against mm. indeed, but like indeed for like, uh, like higher qualified professional executive protection and security professionals is just not the best solution. You yeah. know, indeed requires a level of passiveness and resume reading and resume writing that doesn't support the industry at all. I mean, that's why LinkedIn exists, right? For a white collar. Um, yeah, and that's and, why all of these specialized things. I mean, we talked a lot right. the last last time around about all of the kind of special requirements in private security contracting. Right, so, and 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 so much of it, you know, before I think I talked about credentialing uh, as and reputation, but like even more now, like reputation in the industry isn't just uh, whether or not you're. Um, good in crisis it's also uh you know how you act around the executive you're protecting um how mm -hmm. you talk how you present yourself like all those things like those come from recommendations referrals and from experience not from something that that can be written on a resume you'd be like oh i'm a really good people person it's like okay cool well that's great. I'm glad you think so. So does everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need to take a second opinion on from another people. Um, yeah, yeah. Is is uh has anything changed? It sounds like a lot has changed about like the the short term approach and like finding the kind of spearhead, right? Um, has anything changed in like the long arc of you know the market size or the market need or um sort of like your vision for Contera maturity? Not, not really. In fact, okay. um, even at the short term, the pitch is very, very similar. It's just a little bit of go to market today. And like what we, what I learned through customer conversations over the past 90 days. Um, yeah. and I'm hoping, and I, and I believe that at this point we're like getting to the point where the next 90 days should look a lot. It should be a lot more just grinding out the same thing as opposed mm -hmm. to like shifting a lot of things like I, I almost i mean man i felt like every three weeks i was like oh my goodness this this isn't working we got to try this other thing we got to talk to these other people and i'm getting all these different uh 
ideas, but it's all kind of come together where I think we can help a lot of people at once and, and do it in a way that like looks scalable, right? Like we, we yeah. don't want to do something that's just an agency at all. Um, but the, the main vision, it's still when we provide the connective tissue and reputation for the different players in this industry, we cut out massive middlemen. And by yeah. cutting out the middlemen, we bring all of that cash back into the industry to the people who should have it, whether that's the labor uh, service provider or a, a savings uh, yeah. you know, or a new market on, on the end user side. I do think part of the vision that's different, like the new pitch deck um, that's going out in the spring um, has a three side, has three sides instead of two, right? Like we've added the end client as part of the experience. So that the client should be able to, like, uh, an end user, whether it's a corporate security manager or a um, or a private individual, should be able to come on, look for a type of service, and then get matched with that service. Whether that's a direct hire from labor, whether mm -hmm. that's a 1099 labor, or whether that's a security provider. Um, and honestly, those are the two things we're doing, right? We're doing recruiting, we're doing brokerage. So that makes sense that it's those three, but they really do work together because the client side wants different things. There's like, I mean, there's 40, I actually I mapped out more like 140, but there's like 40, I guess you could say main security services that mm -hmm. are being pitched by like every big security agency. Hmm. You know, like there's a lot of different things in there, everything from private yeah. investigation to risk assessments, uh, workplace violence, training, um, executive protection, travel protection, uh, home assets. Like there's all these different things and there's different people and different services that like different, better providers for each of those different things. And mm -hmm. I think when we start to bring transparency to that and bring it all into one place, we'll find that everybody really does win. And, mm -hmm. uh, we can, we can, we can shift the majority of transactions to, uh, very clear, simple contracts or, um, credit card purchases. Awesome. Which right there, I mean, totally changes the market. Yeah, and opens you up to a ton more more customers on that side of things. Um, so <laughs> I've been I've been stalking your Twitter, um, which is an easy job for me because you tweet like twice a month. But it, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have, have one hundred thirty followers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we are loyal. Um, <laughs> we uh, so I I went back through and I found a few funny. Um, things that i feel like were were probably tweeted in moments of uh i don't know poignant moments for you that will be easily recalled and might have stories attached to them uh so one was finally started using the time estimate feature in our project management tool turns out i scheduled roughly 140 hours worth of tasks for this week no wonder i'm stressed out on friday 100 percent true uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I should just respond or if you have more on the list, but <laughs> no, um, I mean that's like I feel like that's such a classic like startup founder thing is like just passively assign yourself like three or four x the amount of work that's even remotely possible to do. Absolutely, I mean even remotely possible, and so that like I mean that honestly that that fits into the timeline and like shifting kind of what expectations are. And also being more clear about like, what are the things that are going to really impact the business today and tomorrow? Mm -hmm. and, and what are the things that won't and don't need my time or have to wait? And there's just a decision there. And sometimes it's not a fun one. Like there's you, you owe something to somebody or you want to support something and you just can't. 
because there's not enough time. I actually have a, um, I have a coach. I got rec- recommended from a, uh, another startup guy, um, this guy, Jeremiah Rogers, who's at Facebook, Flexport, um, mm. Airtable. You know, he's a, at a bunch of places. He's an awesome coach. He's been coaching for a couple of years now. And um, I, so I, I gave up a lot of time to speak to him every other week for like two hours. Mm-hmm. And it's been exceptionally impactful. And, and one of those things that we've talked about is like, um, there aren't 140 tasks that are going to have a massive impact on the business today or even this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you could write 140 tasks out and then like try to kill yourself and do them all. Um, and good luck making that work for the next three months. And, um, so every day now I've like added a few different steps around like really for mental health and stability and being able to like grow and and drive this thing, which is, you know, I have, I have a few, uh, like one liner motto things that I go through every day. You know, one Mm -hmm. is like, you know, Contera creates massive value in the industry and, you know, we're venture backed and we're raising $10 million in June, 2023. Right. Like now whether or not 10 million in 2023 makes any sense, I don't know. But what I do know is, is putting that on the forefront of my vision every single day means if, if this thing that I'm doing isn't impacting that, then I, yeah. I shouldn't be doing it. Right. Yeah. Um, so things like that have been really helpful. And it's also been helpful to just understand and have somebody else who has to listen to me talk and give mm-hmm. me feedback. Um, and I don't have to constantly be building rapport with them and like selling to them and everything else is just how, um, like, like I can grind as hard as I want, but the outcome comes from the, like the well allocated time on the right projects and, and, and being thoughtful about that. What, what are some of those things that, um, bubbled up that you like just, you know, hit a home run on and were like, that was absolutely the right thing to be working on at that time. And I'm really glad I did it. Um, so like one is like been recruiting the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I mentioned on, on the last podcast, like bringing on like a director of operations and like, um, you know, I had a ton of people follow up from your, mm-hmm. from, from listening to the podcast. Hell and, yeah. Listeners. You know, so, thank woo, you. Yeah. Woo. So, I, so I had a ton of people follow up and, and people were telling their friends or whatever to call me or whatever. And, you know, it's, it was really exciting to have that validation, have people involved, but I also didn't really know how to vet and hire and do what I needed for that. And mm-hmm. so what I ended up having to do was like digging a little bit more on who I needed, why I needed them and like communicate that to myself, write that down, understand it. And that, that made it a lot more straightforward in actually recruiting. So like maybe, maybe two hours of, of creative thought that, mm-hmm. um, required me to be honest with myself and so on really helped and now it looks like and and we'll see you know just like the october 1st deadline you know it looks like we're in the final stages with a really top tier operations um professional who who will hopefully join the company in the spring and can take a huge amount of work off of my plate so that i can i can dig into the things i'm really good at and the pieces and mostly selling right (laughs) like you know most mostly sales um i'll say the opposite of that um, which is funny because so much of this is nuance because it might feel the same way. Like, oh, you took all that extra creative time to like really figure out a job and figure out why you needed that or why you think you need that. The opposite is like spending too much time figuring out company culture or figuring out, um, uh, like 
how we document things and how we use Slack and what our channels should look like and, and things that are just not a problem today. And really, mm. and they don't really, I mean, the entire team, if you count everybody involved at all is like four people, like, like we don't, yeah. we don't need, uh, that stuff to be figured out. Um, and honestly, it's a waste of time right now. Yeah. And you could, I mean, there's a thousand things I could do to make the culture more driven or, 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 or like planned or thoughtful or whatever. And I could go write articles and I could go build up my yeah. Twitter profile. And I could do all these things that are on the outside and the edge that all have a positive impact on recruiting and they all have a positive impact on, on the daily stuff, but they don't actually impact us getting like moving at the speed we need to every week. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no shortage of like positive impact ideas. You know, it's so it's so easy. And actually, like the, the harder the thing in front of you, sometimes the easier it is to come up with small things to do and move. And um, but yeah, that that time to to look back and find the high leverage actions. Like you can spend 20 hours one week getting that one big customer closed, and it would feel like you did nothing, but you did the one like huge thing that mattered. It's so hard to stay in that mindset all the time, man. Dude, and that's why, so I, I guess I, I didn't finish my statement before. I got lost in, in a tangent, but like, so I've got the models every day, but the other thing that, we've, that I've been doing is running a document that's uh, every day I got to go in right when I start the day and say, what are the two most important things I can do today to move the business? Mm -hmm. And then every day I have to spend at least one hour in each of those two things. Nice. Um, and that's had a really huge impact because it, again, it compounds, right? This idea like yeah. you're doing that thing every day. And sometimes it's the same thing every day for like 10 days in a row. Mm -hmm. But if you put one hour on that thing, 10 days in a row and you're thinking in between and you're working, like has a massive impact. Um, in fact, I think that's how a lot of the key decisions have shifted. And I've been able to find clarity has been on that to be like that other thing isn't helpful this other thing really is helpful i need to do more of this other thing and yeah. i need to make sure that the rest of my team is is also on board with the most important things yeah so let's talk about the, the team a little bit so uh, last time we talked you had just hired uh alex solar to be your your engineering head of products um and you were like oh my god go hire the, the like your dev buddies in mexico immediately and like get on it um and then we talked about the idea of uh adding a director of operations which you touched on um who, what else fills out that uh, the four people remotely involved that you mentioned so we've used some people on upwork um okay uh, we've uh i've had um some like unofficial advisory stuff coming in mm -hmm. um and, and like regularly to support um and then we've got an executive assistant who's who's joining in in the spring but as a very um not a whole lot of hours per month, but she's mm -hmm. an absolute rock star with a 40 year career of supporting some top tier executives um, and came to me recommended by one of those executives. And she's looking for for some oh, awesome. using, using her brain. Right. And so yeah. uh, I'm super excited to have her her joining the team. Um, so really, that's it. And, and the rest has been me trying to understand um, like where to put the resources we do have. And mm -hmm. we can talk fundraising a little bit, like, but it's not like we have an infinite amount of money, right? No, and yeah, you pretty small, people, like pre-seed, like yeah, yeah, very, very, um, very, very um, tight on the, in that regard. And um, not every skill set we could hire today is going to have the same impact on the next quarter, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, I was really bullish on hiring a bunch more tech in Mexico and getting this thing moving or whatever, um, and we ended up not really doing that 
And if anything, now it's kind of the opposite. It's like the last yeah. thing I need is to build um, a bunch of platform stuff that we don't understand yet. And right. what I really need is this operations thing to grow and move quickly. And so I've also looked at um, bringing on a few people as recruiters, uh, at, you know, and kind of scaling like a like a gonna, small recruiting agency. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask. So, so, if that's the team structure, does that mean like you're doing the sales on the client side, and then if you get a contract immediately, turning around and you're the one doing the recruiting on the recruiting side? So, so today it is, which isn't yeah. in any way scalable. Which is one of the reasons that we're we're really coming to the the closing. Uh, to the finish line, I think on this next hire for operations yep. is because that person's gonna. We're we're both gonna be doing doing that. I'll, I'll probably be a little bit more sales. He'll be a little bit more recruiting. Yep. But the idea is like, how do we how do we pull all that together? Um, and the guy that that I'm bringing on board, uh, he's uh, extremely experienced in the industry, which is really helpful. Awesome. Um, yeah. And, and that's all around the world, which also helps the uh, the like outsource security management piece, which I think is going to be a really fun thing to uh, learn how to sell over the next 90 days. One of those other uh, tweets that is just like an interesting little minutia of, of startup life. And uh, I think people think like being a CEO is mostly like it's fundraising and vision setting. And it's like, especially the small scale, it is also like dealing with every ounce of bullshit that is just like a, a urgent important but annoying like thing to just figure out um uh, and, and you just tweeted what can i do wrong when hiring our startups first outsourced accounting firm is anything irreversible <laughs> right because like <laughs> like how hard do i have to think about this i just want to yeah, solve like, this is problem this easy like, do i just like hire any company or do i have to like you know dig in like a, a thousand percent and spend 10 hours trying to figure out exactly who i need to hire yeah. um you know I got a lot of great feedback from that. Yeah, and, so uh, Brent and Ali Hamed and like the, the Capital Camp crew showed up for you on that one. They did. <laughs> and those 133 know, followers, like whoop. coming in strong. Brother, you wait till I have 200. But yeah, that is the reality behind uh, this phase. I actually feel like this phase, like this last quarter, like what we really accomplished was clarity on on the actual go to market which i thought i knew 3 months ago but i think we're mm -hmm. like we're we're like 10 times more clear on who our actual customers are and how to talk to them and so like that, that means that we can move into this next piece even just these past few weeks has been sales that has outcomes as opposed to like yeah. like just customer discovery calls yeah. um which is really cool and so like i kind of know where to go there um the next is we really professionalized on the admin side. And that was because I realized um, that that the next phase is raising a series seed. It mm -hmm. is moving uh, a little bit faster with how we hire and what we're trying to do. And in order to do that, I really need to have my my diligence package very strong. And, mm -hmm. and, and you know, there has to be a level of accounting and, you know, taxes and and our legal stuff has to be all right. We we had to change our company name in a bunch of states back to like Cantera, which is what it is today. It was a different company name um, on the paperwork, and and so doing all that took a ton of effort. Like yeah, yeah. And at first, I was doing a lot of it myself and trying to figure out how to do it myself. And then finally, um, hiring some really incredible firms. We ended up going with Ativo Partners, um, mm -hmm. who I'd worked with in the past. Uh, they're uh, they're startup focused. They're out of San Francisco. Um, the partners there are incredible. And honestly, I don't think I've, I can, I'll, I'll plug them. I don't think I've worked with a firm uh, ever, not that I've been in tech for very long, that has been as forward leaning as they are. Like, 
hmm. like the, the customer support, the, per, the, the, the woman who like runs my account, like she is thinking about things before I am every time sending me what I need, sending me, it, it's kind of like that whole, here's the email you need to send. I already wrote it for you. Yeah. Like she's doing that stuff and it was incredible. And like, we just like, we set up, I'm, I'm getting ready to hire again in, in the spring. And, um, so setting up benefits, um, was really unique to the size company we are and to the timeline and so on. There was some, some things we, some hoops we had to jump through from, from, uh, 2020 when we weren't actually operating. So yeah. I wasn't tracking the legal requirements and things that, that the company should have been doing because we didn't start operating until June, 2021. Um, and so having to clean all that stuff up in like, like a, like a 10 day period so that we could get benefits set up and like do all this stuff was nuts. And that firm just crushed it. So like a TiVo, awesome. totally, totally great startup accounting firm, um, and HR and everything else that they seem to be doing. That's awesome. That it helps so much to have like true experts on that. And especially, especially having a outsource like a firm who is an expert at this scale super super helpful and a huge load off like for you as ceo you go back to focusing on building the business and it's kind of like having a, a board of advisors or at least a, a one board seat which is the partner over at editivo who gives me advice yeah. um when i don't have it and now i know yeah. later on like uh i might need more or i might need to like build a different relationship with the but for the decision i'm making today all i need is somebody to be like hey you need to make sure you're worried about this don't worry about that yeah, yeah. and it's like cool um, cool. Okay. One, one of the other open loops, um, last time you had just closed a pre-seed, uh, safe at 300 K you talked about maybe doing another 200, weren't sure if you were going to keep it open. Um, did you, did you end up doing that or just like get to work on the customer side? So I ended up just going to work. And one of the yeah. things was I didn't want to, I didn't want to bring in, um, the capital and still not know what I was doing. Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, great. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I didn't want to like be like, idea. hey, uh, yeah, yeah, great. I got another 200K. And like, I don't know exactly how I'm going to use it, what I'm going to use it for. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm glad that I slowed down. I do, I do expect that raising a full seed round is going to be a, uh, like a very, it's not going to just happen, right? It's going to require mm -hmm. like a lot of early founder. I mean, I'm a first time founder with a tiny team and not a ton of revenue. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I don't, I don't think I'm going to like go out and then January 20th, like 2 million bucks are going to show up my account. Yeah. Um, so what I expect to do, um, probably over this, this Christmas season here is, uh, is call more or less call the checks that have been offered. Um, mm -hmm. and so between that, we've probably got 175 ish that have been, been offered to me, um, across maybe, seven or eight different checks and I'll call and, and, and see who, who, who's still interested in this phase of the company and yeah. bring that on just to allow me to more comfortably hire, um, a director of operations and, um, shake up a couple other things too. I'd like to get a couple, especially, um, on the recruiting side, like I do know how to outsource a little bit with yeah. some, some of the processes that can be kind of outsourced uh, to a little less skill. Um, and yeah. I'd like to have some, some capital to run, run some of those experiments and, and like kind of, kind of practice scaling some of those pieces. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I mean, this like, and that's an interesting, like, I think maybe road to go down is, um, you, when we were just kind of catching up before we started recording, you said, I don't think Contera can go to zero. Um, like the, the, 
Batna or whatever is like, we just build an agency. Like ideally we can scale this thing and build a marketplace and build a really big marketplace and take a huge chunk of this, you know, $50 billion market. But that's a, that is, there is a plateau below that, which is like, we just actually build a world-class agency accidentally, like as a byproduct of kind of doing what we've done here. But where, um, I guess, how far up is that plateau? Like, do you feel like that's already kind of, it would not be hard to operate a profitable agency in this space, kind of given what you know now and where the team is today? Yeah, I think, I mean, if, if I, I feel like I could have a profitable, um, comfortable agency that supports me and a small team uh, in six months without raising any more capital than we have now. Mm -hmm. um, and the small team would be hired through bootstrapping, right? Yeah. Um, the reality is it's a, it's, a, it's a networking word of mouth business where I have all the bona fides in the world. Uh, and, you know, like all, all you're doing is, is you're winning contracts, you're doing some sales. Yep. You, you know, young, young upstart joins the industry. You can, you can do a fine job. Yep. Um, now what we're, what we're focusing on though, is making sure that we don't get distracted by that at all. Yep. Um, at the time being. So like I've been coached by many people. I've had mentors. I've had, I've had a lot of people come in from the side and be like, wouldn't it be a really great way to seed one side to just do a bunch of security, just get a bunch of security gigs. And, and, Sure, it would if I could still raise venture capital and build tech around it and focus on those things. But running that business is just different. Running mm -hmm. running an like a, a security provider means that so much of my decision making and time and effort is going to be on um, quality control and customer service and like down to the deep gritty pieces and selling contracts and so on. And I've seen how really top tier operators have built incredible companies over 10 years, but it took 10 years to really build like a top tier company. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's a distraction. I think, I think yeah. it's really important that we stick to, we are the connective tissue in the industry. We're, we're bringing transparency. We're cutting out middlemen and, uh, yeah. Focusing I mean, on tech from the very, from the very beginning, like the fact that your very first intake form ever was like, in structured data, like on the website, built by engineers that worked in-house. Exactly, which is so different than like the lowest hanging fruit, which is uh, cannabis protection right now and, 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 and mm -hmm. everything in the cannabis industry. It's like, look, if you can, if you can provide um, pictures of the people who are gonna show up before they show up to their shift, pe people that show up every time to their shift, and when something goes wrong, you answer the phone, you can run a security agency to protect cannabis. Mm -hmm. Like, like, there you go. Uh, it's not that hard to do that. And then if you've got some reason for them to trust you and, and like go with you up front, for example, like me and a couple friends, like I have no problem staffing one contract right now. Mm -hmm. If I went and got a contract for 30 people, I'd have 30 people working for me, yep. right? Um, but uh, but that's that's not scalable at the same way. Like we know how those companies scale through acquiring an M and A, and we want to scale by by getting owning the customer relationship across the entire industry, so that everybody comes to us for their labor, for their service, and for their customers. In some cases, with vendors, then we can bring in features like payroll insurance, um, you know, contracting tools, uh, credit card purchaseability for the for the corporate managers, and 
now it's a totally different industry and we're on the top. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything, so on, and just like your, the level of your personal work habits and sort of st- stress level and like, where, where is like the, you know, the Zach gas tank um, and, and work habits and has anything changed for you over the last couple of months? Cause this is now, you're basically now six months into like full-time startup founder mode. Yep. Yep. I was fortunate to start the company right at the beginning of a quarter. So two quarters in. Uh, <laughs> Makes it easy for, yeah. Uh, as long as we Q, keep on this pace. Yep. Q, Q4 wrapping up. Um, mm-hmm. I'll say that I had to make some really big shifts around how I work, when I work, how I parent. Um, having the fourth kid it was a bigger impact than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be a surprise coming from maybe people from outside. Uh, for me, like they might be surprised that I was surprised, but like I really was. Like the, the, <laughs> yeah. like, the adding one kid, adding two kid and adding, adding third kid didn't have a big impact on like my ability to, to keep the train on the rails. Adding a fourth was, has been really tough. And, and really what that comes down to is being a lot more deliberate on how I support each kid and my wife and, and how I spend my time. And so like things that I've done that are a little bit different to keep myself, um, keep the gas tank full is like going to the gym at five thirty in the morning and like, well, I guess it starts at six. I wake up at five thirty, go to the gym, and and work out with Olympic lifting. Um, is really it keeps me kind of in the tribe that I come from, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is that kind of thing. But it also like just gets my blood pumping and gets me motivated for the day, um, and I really like that. I'm um, doing the daily reminder stuff on 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 like why I'm building the business. Who you know how I'm, like one of them is um, I support my family by building the future, mm-hmm. right? Because otherwise you can really get into this point as a dad, I'm getting pulled in all these different directions to be like, well, the way I support my kids is by just being home as much as possible, or it Mm. is by um, turning off my phone as much as possible. It's like, well, sure, you can do that. And I went through like a week or two of really doing that. And what you realize is, yeah, but now you're not like, you're not thinking about the business and you, you don't think about the business long enough. And like, now you're just going to a daily job and like, wait a second. A founder can't just go to a daily job. You have to be processing and 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 solving problems and finding your creative moments and and so on to to build the company. And so, at a, at a gym, doing the daily reminder stuff. Got the got the coach um, to help out, Jeremiah Rogers. And then also, uh, I do turn my phone off from uh, five thirty p.m. to eight p.m. Mm. Uh, just having the phone in in the room and ringing and doing things was making it so that I could not be present with my kids. Yeah. And now I've found that when I'm present with my kids for that bit, it's a whole lot easier to focus on other things when I'm, when they're asleep or, you know, when I'm still at work, I don't feel like I have to get home early because, you know, the kids are having a rough day. Cause I'm like, Hey, I know when I get home, we'll sit down for dinner. We'll all sit around the table and like, you know, like so that's been really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. We talked, um, last time about, Sort of, you I mean at the like whole tax life scale, you like planned to support your family over the long run, over you know your parents' generation and your kids' generation. Like how this decision to start this company sort of fit into a very deliberate like multi generational plan. Uh, I thought that was super cool as I was kind of like going back. And I think it's it, as you say, it's really easy to lose sight of that in the day to day to do list. You know, when you just start to look past the dashboard. Um, you also said you got to set up an office. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. So we have an office now. I'm in it. Um, uh, you know, it, it, 
could probably fit three or four desks if you really shoved them close, but we've got two two desks, a little table, a couple whiteboards, um, a screen so we can share some stuff. My uh, Our engineer, Alex, he he's in Buffalo, which is an hour and a half away, so he'll come out you know, when, mm-hmm. when, when it makes sense. Um, nice. We have turned out to do a lot more remote than I expected. I thought we were going to like kind of try to work a lot, but we realized that you know when he would drive all the way here, he just you know, sat at the other desk, right? <laughs> you know, we have lunch together. <laughs> it's like, well, that wasn't worth it. Uh, cool. you know, we'd still need rapport sometimes, go out to eat, whatever, but, um, having a office to go to instead of working at home, um, has had a huge impact because it means that like, I know my boundaries on time where I get to, where it's nobody's fault, but mine, if, if I'm not accomplishing whatever. Yeah. And, um, uh, when I was at home, it's just really hard not to support the people you love, yeah. you know, when a kid needs help or when. Uh, you know, there's a to-do list or things. It's just really tough not to not to help. Yeah, yeah. So the tension shifting all over the place, and having a having a clock on your work on your tasks, like how it certainly helps me. I don't know. You know, we got two hours ready to go. Um, so so let's do the kind of uh, wrap up. Couple things. So look forward three months. Where do we want to be? Uh, and you know, what do we what do we hope we accomplish? Yeah, so I knew you'd ask this question. Doesn't mean that I've I've fully accomplished uh, building out the OKRs. Uh, no, no, for, I, for Q1. It's funny actually. In the, the beginning of this episode, I was like thinking about how it will almost certainly be a pattern where no matter what we pick for, like, oh, I think we should be here by three months. We'll be smart enough to have invalidated those prior goals by the three. So, like, almost it, it won't be like we tried and fell short. It'll be like, well, actually only half of what we thought applied applied. And like, here's how we changed our mind to, like, and changed direction yeah. slightly. I, w- I would say that there's some things, um, some things that are pretty straightforward. One is I expect to be um, like neck deep in fundraising mm. or have already completed more likely neck deep where I'm running a lot of, uh, like a ton of pitching and conversations and bringing in and finding the right partner or partners to bring us that that seed round. Um, 90 days from now, I'd like to be at the point where I have pretty high fidelity on uh, the right price valuation, the right amount of capital, and a, a few partners. Um, the second thing would be, um, I expect our team to look a little different, um, whether that's hiring the, the top candidate right now or um, just continuing the recruiting process to bring on an operations person who can help me um, and really, I mean, if, if, if the listeners haven't caught on yet, like <laughs> what we're doing for the next 90 to 180 days is operations. It, yeah. This is like literally agency operations stuff. Um, and so I need support and help, help in doing that. Um, so I have to have somebody on the team by then. Yeah. Uh, and luckily, and I mean, there's, there's got to be people all over the industry who are like, get me like i am good at this thing but it will i'll never not just be riding this bike every day in my current role like in the opportunity to step into Contera, apply the skills that they already have towards building you know sort of a new paradigm in the industry has to be really exciting uh, i would think yeah it, no, for sure which i think is one of the reasons i've had i've had a ton of traction around that recruiting process yeah. it's just it's just you know early on uh 
it's di it's difficult to give a job description when the jobs to be done could you could list out 140 or you could list out two and and like both are true yeah like, Hi, like i'm, Zach, I'm wearing 100 thing. hats and i'd like to give you like 30 of them <laughs> <laughs> right oh, and by yeah. the way like like three four weeks in we're probably going to change the hats we're going to give you a different set of hats so, you know whatever uh so i hope you're ready um you know yep. here's our runway like you know there's, there's a lot of things involved in that a lot of fundraising traction um uh, the team looking a little different and and on kind of a better cadence uh, we've we've brought on I, I did mention before we did bring on an intern as well um for a little while and you know my my next go around on that on outsourcing talent and on interns and on upwork and everything is to just have a lot stronger cadence on how we meet what we talk about setting expectations mm -hmm. like you know those kind of things i focused too much earlier on on like building maybe or company processes that didn't have to exist mm. um, as opposed to some that I've ident identified that really do when you, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're working with people outside that aren't in the business every day, you really need to set expectations on how meetings run, what happens in them, what has, like, what are the outcomes on short term and long term um, basis and so on. So that, and then I guess getting to the nuts and bolts, it's, it's, it's customers and placements, right? Yeah. Like, um, I don't want to say a number, uh, I, you know, I disclaimed it last time. It seems even silly to yeah. say it this time. But what I, what I do want to know is, um, I would like to know by the end of that time, what does a world-class security recruiting company look like? Mm -hmm. Like if no technology at all, what exactly does every customer who hires security look like? Who hires security in corporate? Who hires security private? Who who hires security government? What are their incentives, and what's the best service agency for them look like? Hopefully, along the way, we've placed a bunch of people, right, to mm -hmm. learn that. And and in fact, I don't know how we've learned it any other way than selling and placing. Um, so, but I want to know that at the end, um, because ultimately, that's what we're going to try to automate, right? We're going to try to have that in this labor marketplace and we're just gonna have to swap one one part out at a time until it's marketplace um so that's that side and the other side is as i would i would really like to and and this was just came down to a time commitment uh of like what it takes i'd really like to vet um i don't know the number but a whole lot more service providers so that i understand what separates really top tier providers versus not so good versus really bad. Mm -hmm. I know what questions to ask those people and I've got my entire kind of globe covered. Like right now, uh, if you need security, we've got like Latin America, Africa, and most of the United States. But a lot of that's like overlapping companies that like provide maybe too much mm -hmm. um, where they're really good at one thing, but they say, yeah, I'll do those other things too. I would mm -hmm. like to make sure that every region is covered with somebody who's really good at that yeah, a niche, yeah, and, and so on. Um, and so, so I'd like I'd like to do that. And then the last would be, um, I do think it's important that we have uh, a series again, a lot to try to fit in ninety days. But, <laughs> uh, March March Zach already hates December Zach. This is yeah, <laughs> he does. But ironically, this is all customer calling, so I expect this to be a very very um, customer grind uh, ninety mm -hmm. days. Um, because the third thing is understanding um, whether or not what we're saying is enough, or do we really have to bring in things like risk assessments and some of the other like peripheral security services 
earlier on in order to maintain good relations with our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so like corporate security is the best example of that where like, you know, EP agents for them is not as big of a problem as a few other things, like getting risk assessments done without massive rakes as well for like a new building they're putting in or where people are going to travel and so on. And like, that's a totally different security professional, but also somebody that if we're networking and we're building this thing, like, why would we not have those people involved as well? And so I kind of want to understand, like, do we have to add that soon or can it still wait? Mm -hmm. Um, And if we have to add it soon, like that's a whole nother thing that I got to figure out with, you know, the resources that I have. Yeah, interesting. So, and all those last days are like, I don't know, learning outcomes from customer conversations. It sounds like for the most part, right? Which are, you're just like mapping the maze. You're building a mental model of like who the customers are, what they need from, what they are getting, what they're hoping for, what they need from you. Um, I think a like, big, sh- hopefully some ahead, sales coming out of that. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to like reprocess what I'm hearing and yeah, be sure I, I'm hearing it right. I think I think you I think you summarized it well. A big shift from how I described the targets last time to this time is last time those metrics were were kind of fundraiser centric. Mm. Like number of customers and number of signups is a metric that I can put on a slide and say this is how many whatever. Yeah. One of the things that I've learned is I really have to double down on what I know or what I believe is good for the business and important to be able to move things forward. And like, even if that means I'm gonna have to fight a little bit harder to raise some capital, I don't know. It depends on the partners that I find. Yeah. Um, but the metrics that are really gonna push us are identifying the, I mean, this is like right out of Steve Blank's books or whatever. It's like, we need to know what we believe and whether or not we're right. Um, yeah. And yeah. a lot of that is like going and, and, and talking to customers and being like, Hey, we provide this thing, you know, you like everybody says that they want it, but not until they've already listed a bunch of other things they want. And so it's like, okay, well, do I have to provide those things or is this good enough? And if not, like, how can I solve that? Or am I just like, am I, am I still in the wrong place? You know, go to market. I do think we need real Mm -hmm. customers, uh, in the next 90 days, no matter what, but that's not a number. It's a, it's a, it's a learning process. Yeah. And and Steve Blank, I think would say like, words are not enough like you need the transaction to prove that that to to have conviction in your hypothesis like that's the only proof positive of a hypothesis is a transaction you know not not just like a good meaning right no no 100 yeah. and so yeah. we've definitely been pushing for that and you know one of the things that i had to professionalize in the in the past 12 or uh 12 weeks was like getting the paperwork done right mm-hmm. um you know one of the things that held up our website was the privacy policy and the um terms of service and the one thing that held up some customers was just making sure that our our agreements were created the right way and now they are but they weren't (laughs) and so yeah yeah and when you're trying to build trust with with you know paranoid people in an untrusting industry with with pretty good reason like that stuff gets really becomes really important yeah and we no matter what every transaction from day one has to be less friction than the than, than the alternative um, because we don't have yeah. 25 years and we're not a direct supplier of like the end service. Mm-hmm. And so that being the case, we still, we have to be better than if they went out and Googled, you know, security from whatever, like if it's a 90 day process to get Securitas to provide what they want and it takes 90 days to work with Zach Marshall, that's just not going to work. Right. They're going to be like, well, right. I'll just go with the company that can do it then. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, knowing, I mean, I'm even more encouraged knowing that we had people come through after the last episode and like contribute. So, uh, given this list, is there anything that we can do to be helpful to you in the next 90 days or longer? I mean, sounds like customer connections for sure. You got great inbound on the operations person, but more is never bad. Um, and then too early for fundraising, but, um, something to, to keep in mind. Anything else? Yeah. Uh, well, come up on so that I'll take one step back on fun- fundraising, which is if we're doing it in the spring, really it starts now. Like, like over the Christmas break is going to be where like, you know, uh, you know, maybe I'm not as much customer focused and I'm a little more investor focused and I'm rekindling all those relationships and getting them moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people want to talk about that, um, I'd love to. The other side is like we realized um, some new niches of customers that really fit kind of the outsourced security management piece that we want to go into. And two of them are uh, that I had, hadn't really thought of. Although I think you mentioned Bitcoin uh, people before, but like that's come up a bunch. So, so like um, yeah. anybody on here, and I know this is like like a podcast where there's probably a bunch of people who are into um, crypto and Bitcoin and so on. Um, like we'd love to g- get them connected to the right security providers when they travel. Um, if they have pretty much anybody, and this is going to sound funny for anybody who's not in this position, but anybody who's been told by a consultant they should have kidnapping insurance. Yeah. Um, which, which is common. I've now talked to a bunch of people who have a bunch of Bitcoins and like their people who protect their transactions are also saying, hey, you should get kidnapping insurance. So, well, sure, but you should also avoid being kidnapped. And uh, <laughs> chances are, if you're, if you're pretty wealthy and you like to travel and you have kidnapping insurance, um, you probably should have uh, a well-sourced security provider. So we'd like to do that for you. So um, feel free to um, talk to me about that. And then the last one is... Uh, it's actually donors who who work with nonprofits in dangerous places. I've talked to quite oh. a few people, yeah, in the past, uh, really just uh, probably six weeks, who are who have um, like like uh, causes that they care about that they've traveled too many times, but at this point in in the modern world, they don't feel comfortable being there anymore, and we'd like yeah. to fix that. Like, there's absolutely a solution, not for everywhere. Like maybe Haiti's not the best place to travel right now. I mean, if you want to go, there's secure. We'll find you a company that'll get you there. Uh, it's just a yeah. little dangerous. Um, but like, you should be able to go visit, um, you know, any orphanage, any any cause that you have, um, just by like getting a vetted security service to come help you out. And so we'll we'll get you connected to that. So that's some customers that I'd love to talk to. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's it's interesting to hear kind of each time like greater and very greater clarity and specificity around the exact type of customer that is you know and even down to the specific use case uh because like that really helps kind of people know like oh i actually do know one of those you know um right someone someone gave the example he's like he goes you wait six months from now you're going to be the security company that just connects all divorced moms with like security during the child care or the custody battle <laughs> And like, that's going to be your niche. And I was like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. But like, it, it makes sense. Like the smaller the niche, right? The not, I don't know if that makes sense, but the smaller the niche, the easier it is to be like, tell me, introduce to me to all niche. of the yeah. people that fit in that space. I think that's where the donor and like, I mean, talk about like a, a pretty straightforward travel security problem. It's like, you don't travel often. Mm-hmm. You There's no reason you would know how to buy security. And honestly, like that's the biggest customer or client side problem is they don't know how to buy security. 
Yeah, I mean, that's actually an interesting, um, kind of leads me to a tactical concept, which is I've seen other uh, marketplaces that really work hard to almost create different storefronts, different pages, different landing pages based on very specific use cases. So, you know, Contera.com, gocontera.com slash crypto is like a dedicated landing page to private individuals who travel internationally and what hiring security looks like for them versus, you know, charity work that is, you know, with somebody else or with a family or it it, it is a very interesting um, sort of thing to start to address a use case instead of a, we work in this industry, like it is your responsibility to figure out how to interact with us versus like kind of meet them halfway in their space and their use case. That's that's like literally the new, like my technical roadmap, if you were going to, like before we, I don't, I don't think I met, uh, have I? I don't think I mentioned the skateboard versus um, like automobile skateboard versus automobile thing in the last podcast. But I no. really like like what we've built so far is a wheel. We built a wheel. Yeah, a wheel does not make you move any faster along the road. It's just a wheel. And so to make it move you faster, you need another wheel. You need to hook them together, put a dashboard, put an engine, put it all together. And now you have a car. Now you drive faster. Yeah. Or like I forgot who invented this idea, but or you can build a skateboard, then a scooter, then a bicycle, then a motorcycle, then a car. And each of those things actually makes you move faster. Yep. Skateboard is better than a wheel. We built a wheel. Mm. And that was that is the biggest learning of the technical project we've done so far. What these uh, little services and like kind of an internal network first is creating is a couple skateboards. We're gonna make mm. it easier for you to staff your project. We're gonna make it easier for you to get security overseas because we're gonna take on the decision making and the expertise, right? And I think the landing pages connected to Go Con- Go Contera that says, "Here's your value prop. This is the exact thing we're gonna do for you. Mm-hmm. We're gonna find you the security you need. We're gonna manage it in customer service. And if it doesn't show up, we're gonna find you better. Or our guys are gonna fly out there and do it ourselves, yep. right? or whatever it is. Now you don't have to worry about it." Now that's better than yeah. before. And then eventually it'll be some automated awesome thing with a marketplace. Yeah. But we're not there yet. So skateboards. Skateboards. Skateboards is where it's at. I like that. Um and I think I mean the I mean, building software's hard. And that is a that is a good learning that like, you know, reflecting um and taking it in after three months is way better than a year. And there's plenty of people that do that and learn that lesson way more expensively. Um I think I, honestly the the insight of this is a, you know, between the chicken and egg problem, this is a demand first. Like the demand drives the supply. If we bring in the demand, the supply just pops into existence when we need it. Um, and, you know, there still needs to be balanced, but we know which can come first and it's easier to get demand first. That is a huge insight that I think is really going to unlock a lot of speed and growth and clarity around everything else. Um, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a jewel. An investor asked me that question 12 weeks ago and mm-hmm. I said the opposite, mm-hmm. you know, I said, well, hey, supply side's harder. So that's what we're going for. It's like, nope, you got that wrong, <laughs> but I'm so glad we did. And we learned it. Like the whole idea of like sales, yeah. you know, the second best answer is no, like you get yeah. enough no's and you go, wait, what? I don't, yeah. I don't get it. I love and then collecting you get yeses from the other side. Yeah. yeah. Collecting no's. That's a great, um, that's a great phrase. And I, I was actually going to, um, ask you maybe as a final thing if if there was anything in the last 12 weeks that you had changed your mind on and it, i know the one answer is this kind of supply first versus demand first but i think it's a good um 
maybe hard to inventory the whole three months. One certainly being demand first, not supply first. Um, actually, another is the technical, the, the urgency of hiring more technical talent and um, kind of the order of, of operations there. Um, is there anything else that uh, comes about? In a way, we've been talking about this for an hour, so <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. the well is dry. We're just doing it, circles, but yeah, yeah. yeah so technical roadmap uh, certainly changed. Um, supply versus demand and which one first changed. Um, I mentioned it before, but to keep summarizing, uh, adding the client as a third piece mm. of the marketplace, I think is like, that's probably here to stay. Yep. Um, it's just, there's just so much customer experience, uh, we can unlock there that doesn't currently yeah. exist. Like how can we not have them on as well? And then I'd say the fourth is really just clarity around fundraising. I was okay. telling myself, uh, you know, six months ago or nine months ago, like, Hey, I'm going to go raise a seed and we're going to be venture backed or whatever. Um, but I had to go through, I think the, the roller coaster of so many, uh, investors and mentors being like, why don't you bootstrap this part? Or what if you did it this way or whatever, whatever. And I had to like, go explore those a little bit and understand why and how, um, for this model and this business to work and for us not to be just a, a security agency, like, mm -hmm. like we, we have to tell ourselves we are a venture backed company. We are growing at a speed that requires capital and the outcome is a hundred X or a thousand X. And that's why we're doing it. Yep. And it makes sense. Um, and like just, just having clarity around that makes every decision easier and more straightforward. Like why we hire a TiVo who's, who's awesome, but like, you know, cost what they should versus like hiring a local tax company here in Rochester who has no experience with, with a VC backed company. Yep. Like that part of that decision, I was like thinking that through that stuff. And then I was like, what am I even talking about? Like if I was building a small business, I know who to hire. I'm not yep. building a small business and yep. like just, just kind of going through the trenches for a second and coming back on the other side with clarity. Um, I guess you could say it's not a change, but it maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, I think Patrick O'Shaughnessy shared this essay. I can't remember who wrote it. It's like the Ben and Jerry's versus Amazon, and it's like the the two different models of company. And and like knowing which one you are as early as possible unlocks just like you're saying all these decisions. Um, I'll see if I can dig that up and link. Yeah, to it, I've but, seen that. I think okay. it's, I think it's absolutely true. Cool. Um, now flip flopping around is probably the second worst thing you can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So getting it wrong, worse, flip flopping, also really bad. So not deciding down. crashing into the tree, not good. Yeah. <laughs> just pick a road. Just pick a road. Yeah. And we're on it. All right. Um, anything else you want to wrap up with? I feel like we got a very good uh December report from December Zach. I'm excited to talk to March Zach and do uh installment number three and see where we're at by then. Yeah. So like one of the huge pieces of clarity that I had, um, came from the idea of used car sales. And so, hmm. and, and it started with realizing how little trust there was in the industry. And I hadn't quite understood that before these last 90 days, like literally nobody trusts anybody. And it reminded me of the information asymmetry in used car sales before the Carfax report and before companies like CarMax. Hmm. And how you used to have to just word of mouth, get recommended a guy who, who sold you a car and you showed up to his place. You didn't know, you know, what the market value of the car was. You didn't know, uh, the condition of the car. If it's a salvage title, you didn't know anything. You just had to trust this person. And, and then they sold you this thing and, and hopefully it didn't break down. And even if it did break down later, like how hard could you 
blackball and there wasn't even a review system back then you know you yeah. you know it's like okay well people are gonna keep buying used cars from, from that guy um and then the carfax report comes out which is like the first the first saving grace in the industry is, is that well at least i know whether or not it's a salvage title right like mm-hmm. i can pay for this report and i know so that that's a big value add but then carmax comes out and breaks down every barrier in the used car sales information market right which is um, has it ever been painted? Has it ever been fixed? Uh, you know, what's the current yeah. market rate? Oh, by the way, here's a couple kiosks. You can go on the open internet and go find a different price somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to charge more because you get a better experience here and yeah. you get what you want and you get what you pay for. And I realized that the security market is just like the used car sales market 30 years ago, where mm-hmm. you're trusting somebody who got recommended to you not recommended by an expert. They're recommended by a friend who has no idea the market rate of of security or cars either, right? And so you go to this thing, they build up your trust through a sales process of some kind, and then you pull the trigger, you buy this thing, and then even afterward, you have no idea if what you paid was correct. And if it's a bad outcome, you have no, there's no, there's nothing you can do. There's no no recourse. And um, like, I guess that kind of idea um, even though CarMax isn't really a marketplace, right? They're a, a car sales company, but they also do, I mean, more transactions on used cars than any other company in the world. And mm-hmm. they did that by providing information, creating a better experience. And I think this was where I realized we need to bring in the third side. We need to bring in the clients mm-hmm. as well yeah. and get them, the, the car in this case might be a, a direct hire person it might be mm-hmm. a vendor or security service but whatever they're going to get they're going to get what they pay for they're going to know how it works they're going to see the industry and we can just take all the opaqueness out of it um mm-hmm. so that is like a driving force like i wrote a little like kind of like white paper on that to get it out and then once i saw it i was like this is like the value prop this is a huge value prop in the industry where today everybody has has to deal with used car sales yeah creating trust where none existed at incredibly high margin for everyone involved in the ecosystem. Right. I'll just end it with, I'm super excited for March stack. I I feel like I I went through like, like this last quarter was a battle Mm -hmm. and, and we came out on the other side with, uh, so much better vision and next steps and the stuff like I've got a like I've got it written on the whiteboard like the next steps make sense like I know oh yeah. I know how to do that thing and then that thing and then that thing um, and so I'm excited that that we'll have we'll have traction through uh, through like the work we know how to do and plan yeah. and we still have the space to to get into that ambiguous discovery stuff. Yeah, it I feels like you're times. you're on the rails. You're working on adding more rails, and where there's ambiguity, you're attacking it, which is which is awesome. Um, so yeah, I thank you for you know making the time, showing up, being honest, bringing your full like experience to this. I appreciate it and learn a lot from. I think everybody does, and I'm, I remain excited for the next chapter and seeing where this whole story goes. It's uh, it's Thanks awesome for having me. Yeah. Appreciate you hanging out with us today. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to support Zach on his mission any way you can. If you enjoyed this episode, please take the 14 seconds to leave a review. It really helps other people find the show. If you like this episode, you will probably also love my episode with Kevin Espiritu. 
Um, we talked for an hour and a half with him about how he grew his gardening business to tens of millions of dollars over the past few years by combining the media business model and the D2C business model. And it's a really great episode. The thought I'll leave you with today is that two things are true. Great companies are built by extraordinary individuals who take the bold step of trying to bring a vision into reality. It's also true that companies are built by the community around them who hears this bold vision, agrees with it, believes in it, and starts to rework the world subtly to support that vision. We're all doing that in some small way all the time. Every action falls into someone's vision for the world. And I just encourage us all to do it consciously when possible. Take a few quiet moments for yourself, breathe deep, and be well. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.